It was as if he kicked about three pounds of haggis that time because it hardly got off the ground. Three pounds of haggis. 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 Three pounds of haggis because it hardly got off the ground. Talk Sport on RTL Today Radio. Yes, once again, Kiora and Gordon Orvin from Today Radio Studio 4 in Kirschberg. You know it, the headquarters of Let's Talk Sport. You're with myself, Nathan Snade, Scott Brown. It's the 12th of... Scott Brown across from me. It's the 12th of the July. You nearly nailed it all there and uh, then the, you stuttered. The weather is smoking. Isn't it? Beautiful. Today was the perfect day, 25 degrees. Get rid of that... Uh, Oh, those the, the, the few stinkers, haven't it? The last few, the Monday, Tuesday, too were, hot, too were a hot. Bit, it's, bit too much. It's show uh, 113. Tonight's our local sports wrap Wednesday. If you want to get involved in the show, it's 6215252000. We're not alone this evening. Finally, I've finally yes. been able to drag in Matthew Osh, who is, uh, well, he's a, a, he's a maniac. He's another lunatic, me. isn't it, Matthew? <laughs> We had one. We had one recently. Yeah, we, had, exactly. uh, we had Jeff Bauer recently, who was on the on the skeleton on the plate, going face first down a on the tray on a tray. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Matt, I've been trying to tee this up for a while, and we've been jumping back and fro. Finally, there's no snow uh, around here at the moment, so you're back in luck. So thanks again for uh, finally joining us this evening. Yes, uh, thanks for having me. It's nice we found finally time to speak yeah absolutely um yes yeah, as, as always says the reason we don't get you on too early because then we we spoil all the good stuff but Matt, we will uh we'll slide into this interview uh later on but just uh just quickly just give me 20 seconds about yourself what you do so uh my name is matthias i'm uh, 24 years old i'm from luxembourg uh i do alpine skiing i'm uh, part of the lead team in in the Kosel and uh, part of the luxembourgish army uh, for the moment, I live in Innsbruck, Austria, and uh, yeah, I do most uh, technical disciplines, so giant slalom and slalom. I think we will talk about what's that in, what precisely it is, and uh, yeah, looking forward to chat with you. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, as always, we uh, start the show off with the sport and the history of the world today. Nathan, you've got a few uh, nausey stats in there. We yeah. always talk about cricket, but mate, I don't think anybody listening in watches cricket over here, do they? Of course they do. And our national team are away at the moment. I believe they're playing Malta in the next couple of days. Is that right, Scott? You got, uh, I think, uh, Kopi's out there. And, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, they're playing and, in and this. Uh, has been in the show a couple of times. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, T- there are T20 few, internationals. So there are a few uh, c- a cricket uh, maestros that do listen to our show. But on this day in 1930, Australian cricket master, you know it, Don Bradman, he was all out for 334 in a drawn third test versus England at Headingley and Leeds. Um yeah, 46 fours and 383 minutes. That's a good old tonking back then in those days because one, one would have thought they were a bit, a bit slower out the Yeah, the bats, the the bats weren't like the guns that they had. Literally a log, of, a log of wood. Yeah. 
Um, nine, today's an interesting day because what happened today in 1979 was called Disco Demolition Night, and it was a um, it was basically a match where they wanted some entertainment, kind of like at the halftime break, let's say, and so they allowed the fans to go wild, destroying disco records. Um, <clears throat> and as it so yeah, so as Chicago White Sox were playing Detroit Tigers, I think they're called, but they went on and they ruined the pitch that much with these old. LPs that the game got abandoned and again. Well, what do you expect? Because you'd be launching these things, and I mean, if you've ever seen, I I obviously relate to most things, uh, to movies and stuff. And so, we're only eight minutes in. I'm going to mention my first movie. Have you seen Shaun of the Dead? No, no, it's a zombie, no, zombie that. British comedy, very funny. But there's a bit where they throw the records at the zombies, and you see how they shatter and stuff like that. So, yeah, it doesn't yeah. Uh, you know? Obviously, I'm sure somebody uh, somebody lost their. Uh, that's their job, you know. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you about what in the 70s it was all about the um, the the disco fever. You know, you think like oh, Saturday Night Fever, Travolta, and all that sort as of stuff. An example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so basically, it was this little bit of a revolt. Like they fed up with all that disco stuff. Let's get in some real, you know, American rock. You know, then that was the the, the wave, and that's why they did it. Um, but actually, the um, the, the the disco days kind of came back because they had like the, the types of Bruno Mars and uh, Daft Punk. They kind of rebought it back again afterwards. It sort of but goes it, in cycles, doesn't it? it? All does the music go. and stuff. You know, it will make a it will make a con- um, a comeback. I'm sick hearing these remixes. Yeah, hey, just we like don't, you don't hear it on uh, today radio. You know, no. we're, we're we're a bit of the old school rock, aren't yeah, we? Just say it as it is, mate. Um, this day in 1996, Michael Jordan he signed an NBA contract with the Chicago Bulls for one year for a whopping 30.1 million, which is still Cheddar. massive in today's money. Yeah, <laughs> but not massive in comparison to what the, some of these athletes are earning. Um, and today in 1998, big day FIFA World Cup finals at the Stade de France in Saint Denis and Zinedine Zidane he scored twice as France won the World Cup beating Brazil 3-0 so there we have it that is sport and the history in the world today there are many happy birthdays but I couldn't find one I think uh, a lot of people probably forget about that it's more his antics the second time around in 2002 which sort of uh, over, what, so that. you're saying you th- when you think of uh, Zidane Zidane you think of the, the infamous headbutt I think anybody who doesn't think of that is a liar also in the World Cup final <laughs> yeah absolutely did the, guy, did the guy deserve it uh, he, he said something fairly derogatory yeah. about his mother and his, his origins or something like that. But I actually read that Adidas had a big, um, everybody knows this apart from you, Nathan, but Adidas had a big advertising came, uh, campaign planned off the back of it. So if he was going to have won the World Cup, he was going to basically take his boots off and leave, which he was sponsored by Adidas, and leave them on the pitch. Oh, really? Um, yeah, and then obviously that didn't happen, did it? Because he didn't oh, finish the game. Now, there is a cool story. You're only going to hear those sort of things at, uh, at Let's Talk Sport. Whilst we're on scrapping and punching, can we rip into straight away into the interview with Matthew and just uh, tell me, has there any been any any nonsense on the on the top there when you're about to go down? With, yeah, any bagar, Any, any bagar up there. Come on, give us some good stuff. Like fights to me? Or something. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. But just even if it's the elbows or uh, niggly stuff, words, sl- sledging. I mean... It's quite of a. I, I can't remember of something like that, but sometimes you have uh, what you do with guys is uh, when when you know after the first run you fucked up and uh, <laughs> you stand on the start and you know I can't do anything anymore. So you joke a bit, you scream like things, pretty funny things, and yeah. then everybody everybody is quite laughing and yeah. But at important races, everybody has his own focus and everybody respects that. And I think that's that's also important.
important in a sport. Yeah, if you want to be respected when you you know when when you're starting, you know, and you want to do the same to your opponent. So it's probably the first interview where you've had where um, you actually get questioned: Are there any fights that go on? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, I can't remember of another. <laughs> Okay, like to break it down for me, keep it simple because I know obviously you've got skis, you've got sticks to to balance and guide. <clears throat> I know sometimes you've got poles in your way that you're trying to get in now. Can you give me Nathan Snade an explanation of for dummies? What is the difference between the disciplines you've got combined, you've got super G, you've got GS, and you've got SL? Yes, exactly. Can you give me? The, the, the description. Sure. So the first one is SL. So that's uh, Slalom Special. You call it also in French. Um, so that's, I would say, the slower discipline. You have uh, less distance between the gates. So the big difference between all the discipline is always the distance between the gates. So the less distance you have, the less speed you also have. But the more risk you have to, to get out of the course because you have more turns so you can make more mistakes. Um, so that one would be a little bit more tough on the, on the quads? Uh, I wouldn't say tough on the quads, but I would say uh, more. Uh, you have to be more quick. Like It's more a quickness test, you know, in downhill it's probably you got more G's to 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 consider so uh, maybe you got more of that peak power but um, less of that quickness so and then you have giant slalom that would be that would be the first discipline where you have two gates with a flag slalom is just one pole uh, so that's a bit faster so that they call it the basic discipline of skiing that's like the basic turn it's a yeah. giant slalom turn and then you've got super G that's even a bit more and uh, the the most known discipline is downhill then then you have even more uh, distance so why super g why do they call it super, super? they call it uh, super g is abbreviation for super giant slalom okay. actually so okay. yeah yeah and so i would say uh, slalom you got distance between the gate uh, 9 to 11 meters giant slalom it's uh, 25 26 27 around Super G, I would say 35, 40, and downhill you have 50 and more. So, yeah. So, it's obviously as you, as the, the, the distance between the gates increases, so too does the speed that you're going yeah. at, presumably. And also the skis change. So, in Slam, you have 165. In Giant Slam, you have 193. When you say 165, in length. In, okay, in, in length. length, in yeah. length okay. and Super G, you have 210, and in downhill, you have 220, 225. Yeah. Yeah. So. Now you just recently competed in the World University Games in Lake Placid. Well, that would have been well, that would have been this just before this Christmas. Was that? No, it was in January. Uh, in January. The World Champs were in February, and the uh, University it was in in January. Am I correct to believe you cut your time because you were ranked about? 60 in the world and then you finished in the top 30 was that right no that no that was in another was that in another competition um, were you re- were you significantly dropped down uh, that was um, or improved i should say maybe at the at the olympics last year where i had a bit of a higher bip number uh, i can't remember i think it was 58 or 59 and i dropped to 28 but uh, yeah that was was so that's a massive change. Yeah, it was a, was a solid result because um, it was a tough day. We had like we were in China and 
they haven't seen snow in like 10 years and on the giant slalom day everything <laughs> fall down so uh, we had quite a, a big miracle with the snow and so it was it was tough with the side with the wind um, so they had to postpone also the second run to go in with the groomers on the slope to take out the new snow and the fresh snow so yeah it was kind of a heavy day and uh, a lot of guys fell out and so I took my chance yeah, yeah. with um with, with the when you're how many, so how many you could have I guess you could have anything from 30 to 40 skiers all going down uh, it depends on the event like uh, at the Olympics we had like about 18 90 but at the world champs example, for example we had 120 yeah so, so if you've got a, you're, you're going to do your run and you there's an order isn't mm-hmm. there and then um, is there an advantage to going earlier on yeah. Or does the slope warm essentially warm up? Do you want the slope to be colder or warmer? I don't know for anybody listening in how that works. So yeah, it depends on the on the conditions, but it's in technical discipline, it's always best to be in the front. In I would say in the ten first bips, that makes a lot of difference because it. I mean, it depends. If you have really tough ice and it's really hard, it doesn't make much of a difference. But if you kind of go on softer conditions, uh, it marks a bit more with the time with the runners. So you got those those big rats coming in with this BIP 100, and so it's getting really tough, and it's quite impossible to get uh, to the times of the first of the guys that had a, a lower BIP number. So I mean, just to, just to jump in on that, and I'm just going off my limited uh, experiences, but we're certainly watching it on Eurosport because normally what happens is somebody goes there at the bottom, and you like stand there, don't you, in front of the sponsors board, and you're first or whatever. But if you if the person coming next doesn't beat you, do you you stay there? Do you? Is that, does that or have I got that mixed up with a different? Um... Yeah, on the big events like World Cup, World Champs, um, if you're in the top thirty after the sec- uh, so, I think if you're in the top uh, top spot after the first round, you stay till the top fifteen. Then most of the time they leave already to prepare for the second round. Yeah, and in the second round, if you come down in the top 30 and you're first and you stay first so you you go on that you get on that audi heated seat they call it oh, it, is, it is heated it is heated, heated, yeah, my next yeah. question because it could be a bit cold standing that there <laughs> well, if it was me i'd want my little glue vine in the unfortunately i've never been in this position but uh fingers i saw it crossed. once and i tried it it's it's nice it's yeah, comfortable it's, <laughs> fingers crossed fingers crossed you get a chance to uh to do it at some point um just uh, going off on a bit of a tangent like we always do have you ever been stupid enough to uh, go and have a look at the top of the ski jump Yes, indeed, I have been, but it was not like the one you see on TV. It's uh, it was quite a smaller one, but uh, yeah, I also had a fun crash on it, so uh, I, I remember it very, no very rush, well. No rush <laughs> to, uh, to go back. So you, you have had the testicles to go down the thing and fly off it. Yeah, but it was a it was a thirty forty meters jump, so no, nothing to compare with the guys that. Uh, that fly uh, like 100 meters. Mate, but so. even 30, 40 meters, you would be, well, I would be, I can feel it now. Yeah, yeah. I can feel myself <laughs> in my stomach. Be like, yeah, it's not happening. It's bad enough thinking about jumping off the 10 meter platform into the swimming pool, isn't it? I walked, I walked halfway up Lillehammer on the ski jump there and whew, it wasn't, it's I impressive. I wasn't comfortable. I had to get the defib kit to kick start <laughs> again after walking up there. Well, you know, the problem is also uh, I'm too heavy for it. So uh, I wouldn't fly very, very far because uh, gravity would drag me down very fast (laughs) and um so what let's let's talk about speed what's the what's the quickest you've gone on have you you, i mean 
what, what you have, you've been even for fun down on a on a yeah. radar. What, what have you? So um, I measured it once, and it was with Super G skis. I was free skiing. It was about one hundred and ten or twelve kilometers per hour. So that was about the fastest I've been. But that was free skiing. There were no gates, so I could go all in. I could go as I wanted. And I was a slow. I knew very well. And also before the lift opened, we got up with the skidoo, you know. Yeah. So there was it was oh, really okay. safe, you know. You could be sure that there would be no one uh, in your way. So, yeah. But uh, I have to say, all above 100 kilometers, it's getting very fast. It's a bit hairy. Yeah. I remember, yeah. um, this is years ago, on a school trip, we were we went on a ski trip. And there's a place, I want to say Salsidou. Is that that familiar? In, in it, is that in Italy? So, uh, I'll probably pronounce. Sounds, it what's, the, what's the name? Can you say that out? No, can you say that out? Somewhere in Italy, anyway. And there was a, there was a patch, and it was a really steep. Obviously, it's a black run, and it's called the wall because it was literally a wall. And you know, if you got towards the end of the week, they might take you up, but you would be, you know, we'd be snow plowing it down most of the way. We're not going fast, but there was some idiot and just basically went. Doof, and mate, he went straight down and he went for it and he wiped out before he obviously got to the very bottom of it but he was going that fast he just sliding and it's sort of really really steep and then it sort of you know levels out and then comes onto a i don't know what you call it well yeah it comes flat i mean it was like a jump and this bloke was feet <laughs> just flying through the air like on it on his back just all over the shop i'll tell you he's in a world of pain after he finally uh now, finally i'm, I'm stopped, guessing matthew you haven't i mean moving. you're with all the big guns right so you're you're you know when you're going up and you're practicing and you're tra- you're in a certain area of the course where you're where you're practicing but i mean do you get chance to let's say clown around with your mates or have fun with your you know let's say social skiing let's say yeah what, sure. what we would do as a what we would do as a family yeah for sure i mean we have we're a team so uh all the time when we're not skiing we're talking to each other and i mean for sure sometimes we have to be serious i mean when you're at the start when you want to focus uh, when you want when you're in the run um everybody needs his own kind of time to adapt kind to concentrate but around that we all uh, make fun of it we, we have fun with it and we make jokes and like normal guys do you know yeah yeah a good friend of mine christian low he was a um gb skier wasn't he? he was a gb for school secondary school um skier for, for yeah for great britain and uh just recently he, he took his family down and obviously he's got to, he's got two young daughters and they were giving him a bit of stick and you could see and and his his wife Liz, she was videoing uh, <laughs> Chris, but because he was so confident, he just looked cool. You see the kids kicking off with their skis, and he's got well, grabbed one one kitty in one hand, one in the other, <laughs> and he's just he's just just cruising down. And then he realised it's getting a little bit heavy here, and he gets to the end. He just <laughs> he lets fly. It's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Matt, if you just come round here and look, you can tell me if you can pronounce this. Where is it? There. That's how you pronounce. So how do you say that? Uh, sauce do. Sauce do. Okay, so you win. Sauce do. Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it's always uh, handy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it handy having a Luxembourg nearby because they they speak the languages so well? They they can always correct us when we get some names. Yeah. I mean, we could give you a, we could give you a name from India, Pakistan, <laughs> Turkmenistan. You can still come up and and, and sound like pronounce you. Uh, I actually get the, the normally I get Nathan to pronounce the difficult name. It's because he <laughs> so I'll having... just be like, and there was a 
skier from Luxembourg who did quite well at the weekend and <laughs> let Nathan uh, <laughs> say his um, say his name. When uh, when did you really get into it? Are you one of those uh, annoying kids that when you go skiing are flying around with no ski poles and the helmet and the goggles on and uh, well, I can't really remember, but I suppose I was one of them. Yeah, but, yeah uh, he's, he's, he's one of those. <laughs> well, he's he's one of those kids, huh? We call them ski jerks. Look at them. They're, <laughs> they're 15 years younger than you and they're bolting it down. You're one of them. <laughs> Probably I was, yeah. So I, I learned it quite early uh, with my parents. Uh, my dad and uh, his family were always big fanatics about, about skiing. And so with uh, around two, three years old, I, I stood the first time on skis. And uh, from there on, it was... Uh, yeah quite continued and uh, my brother was into skiing my dad my uncle uh, so I continued that and went a bit further and yeah so uh, so um, any any Christmas Day challenges like family yeah, yeah we, what was the what what would give us a, a take of some of the good stuff in the family well I remember for once we had um, we had uh, we were always in France and there you have this um, this race from the ski school where everybody can uh, can take part and I remember with my father and my brother and I always competed and that went on went on went on till my father once went got injured and then <laughs> there was one competitor less so yeah and then uh, with my brother we we went for the for the same races sometimes but we had quite a gap uh, in ages so he was uh, he's five years older than me so uh, he quit when I got on the fist tour so the international tour so at the end uh, I was the only one from my family still practicing. And mum, mum's a skier too. Yes, mum's a skier too, but not in competition. He, she, she skis very well, but uh, she's more more to have fun and uh, more have gra- a good time in the mountains. More graceful down the slope. Yes. <laughs> what would you do if we were if we were skiing now and you're at the top of the slope? What are you looking for? To get down faster than you, buddy. No, I'm looking, you know, I love going off-piste. You know, not like proper off-piste, but, you know, you go off into the no, woods and stuff. No about it. We used to get shouted at by the instructors because they used to... <laughs> They used to go down like this, and obviously they've got to look forward. And as soon as his head turned, all the lads are at the back. We're all shooting off into the trees, falling over. I haven't done it. Then you get shouted at when you get to the bottom because you've held up the group. Yeah. You're like, I haven't done ah, a whatever. lot of, <laughs> a lot of <laughs> skiing, but there is a there is a pleasure being in in you know, would say knee deep powder and, and going through. I have ended up in places I sh- I, sh- I shouldn't be. I remember being in the back of a chicken farm or something. I don't know where I was. Uh, um, I'm trying to think where that was. The Grunewald, I think it was, yeah, somewhere down there. What about, um, I mean, you often hear a lot of the holiday makers when they get away and they often talk about the apres ski. Is that something you uh, partake in? Well, he's, he, 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 he spends a lot of time in Innsbruck. Of course he does. Of course he does. <laughs> Look at the smile. I can't lie. I, have, I, I know a bit of it, but uh, I really have to say sometimes, you know, we got quite some long days and then you, you're not particularly looking forward to go to apres ski because with this music... Uh, you really have to be motivated and I think yeah. uh, without some certain liquid it's sometimes difficult <laughs> to endure it so yeah but it, it, it's fun uh, I mean uh, sometimes if, if I have time why not but uh, in the season it's always we wake up so early you know and then uh, after lunch when you're finished with your race day or sometimes it's even longer you're quite uh, happy when you can go home or to the hotel and uh, pack out your out, things yeah. dry out the things and, and have a rest a bit with the majority of competitions take place in the morning then yes yeah. yes they all do except we have sometimes some night races yeah 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 uh, that's very fun too but um, most of the time it's in the morning very early yeah, yeah. 
That's class. I mean, uh, there's always a buzz, isn't there? Because they get the the slopes are all floodlit and stuff like that. You can't beat it Oops. playing under the lights. Yeah, look, playing under the lights, racing Skiing under, the, under lights, yeah. the lights, doing whatever under the lights. Yeah. Now there's a race in Vengen where the, um, it's a World Cup race where they go between a couple of like massive rocks and they fl- and they they kind of fly off this lip or off this edge on a corner. So obviously you would have to know. What angle to take this corner? Have you ever been down that? Uh, I'm not sure. There's a there's a name for it. Um, I think it's called Hunchov, but I'm not sure. It's mm. I, I'm sure it's Hunchov is somewhere on the slope of Wengen, but uh, no, I've never been there. But it's it's quite impressive. I talked with some guys. Um, it's 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 the track where they break all the the speed records. I think at one time was one six one hundred sixty four or something. One broke this Ooh. record, so it's crazy, and it's about two minutes forty. So it's the longest it's also. Big burn. It's, uh, yeah, it's one of the toughest with Kitzbühel and uh, Bormio. And, uh, but it's, it's, it's quite interesting because you have this jump, you come from a turn, you jump, you don't see where it goes. And then you have one more turn, two turns who are actually impossible to turn them on the edge of the skis because they are too long. So you have to, to slide in, slide in, and then you come through a tunnel where it's, you know, when the sun is shining, you get, it's 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 in the shadow. So you, for one moment, when you get out, you're Blind. almost blind. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so you you go with over 100 kilometers through the tunnel, and then you get out, and then it's and then it's it's a full send. <laughs> Very much like this, you know, car racing. There's certain moments or many moments within a race where you just have to trust your instinct and trust the, the yeah. line that you're you're going. Well, yeah, I mean, the, obviously the first time you if you uh, compete at a new venue, you'll be going sally slow won't you down the down the run just to get a feel for it and yeah so you have an inspection always before and uh, in the technical disciplines you actually have only an inspection so you go there you have about 40 minutes 45 minutes you can have a look remember the course how it is where are the the spots where you have to take speed or take out or the technical tactical um, things you have to do but in downhill you have also three training days so you can do three times the run and then you can and then you have the the race run so that's i think that's fair also because it's a lot more risky and uh, so yeah well what's the big difference because um ultimately you i mean your your equipment your boots and your skis and your poles go through a fairly rigorous inspection don't they they have to be a certain specification they can't be thinner or wider than everyone else or uh, is there is there a bit of you know I guess a bit of space for movement there or is it these are the skis if you're in this discipline this is what you wear you can pick your colours or whatever but this or this is what you use sorry you can pick your colours or whatever but it, I mean the, ultimately it becomes down to the the person who's on the skis is it yeah sure so it depends also a lot on the brands you ski the skis you get from the brand uh, and then you have different models stiffer softer and i mean in the discipline you always have the same length minimum length you can go longer if you want some guys do it because it's you have more stability if you have more material but uh, most of the time they, they stick to the to the to the, the to the length and uh, so you can change a lot of things you can change the ski the stiffness of the skis, the angle of the edges, the angle of the base. You can 
change the plates, you can change how you stand on the binding, you can change the binding, then you have the boots, you have different kind of stiffnesses with the boot, you can change also the angle of the boot, so you have so many different things you have to test out, so it's uh, coming a lot together. So, so, what, so it really is what works works for you. But it, yeah. it's, it, I mean, it's great how the... I mean, they adapt it to the to the athletes rather than saying, right, that's the that's the yeah, rules. Yeah. It's just one, you know, one. But it's also like the big. It's also the role of the athlete to find what's best for him and to have also this experience and these certain feelings to know what's best, what's not working, what's working. I mean, I, I unfortunately have no servicemen. Most of the the guys in World Cup or the top guys, they have servicemen doing that all for them. But uh, I don't have that, so I'm figuring it out all my, by myself. But uh, I made a lot of mistakes, and you know what they say: you learn, you learn from mistakes. And yeah, so, right. and I guess communi- communicating with your fellow pairs, you'll be able to learn a little. Uh, For sure, yeah. In the team, we we we, we change uh, about a lot of things in the material, but uh, it's also depend. It depends a lot from skier to skier. What I mean, in the boots, everyone likes something different of angle of stiffness. So uh, that's quite personal, but uh, for sure there are some tips you can get or give, and uh, and uh, that's that's quite nice also. Yeah, yeah. Now we know from any athlete, whether you play rugby, swimmer, squash, hockey, whatever it is, ski, skiing, skeleton, karate, um, that it's not always it's not always fun. You know, you also you have your down downsets. What was a what was a down moment from you, and how did you kind of that you remembered, and what was what was something that you t- took out of it? What were the positives you took out of that moment to come back because you're still doing it? Yeah, well, I had a, a few downs. I I remember once I was uh, it was January, it was mid of the season, and I I was like almost crying. I never had that, but uh, nothing worked. I I, I had a good uh, good preparation in summer with physical training, when in uh, in autumn with skiing and uh, nothing worked and uh, I kind of figured out sometimes I was also a material thing so I was skiing all the time on a on a on too stiff boot and then I changed the boot and, and then it went um, February, March, April was then much better and uh, that was kind of tough because I, I just checked it from there and but that helped me a lot to know uh, to, 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 to get also the feeling from from the boots for example because then you know okay this is too stiff this is not stiff enough or or and that's that's some valuable experience you make um, I mean I also had uh, for example last year at the Olympics I, I, I went out I think at what was it third or fourth gate in slalom that was also very painful because it was very early and it was the discipline I was uh, prepared i think the best of 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 both of them which i, I competed at and uh, that was also a hot pill to swallow because uh, i was really looking forward really feeling great on the conditions at training and uh, it was uh, you know one tenth of a second where you're not fully focused and you're gone you know that's that's the problem of slalom just skin. just to, to jump into that i mean as a as a sportsman we, we crave feedback so we're always you know you make mistakes um, and the, I guess the, the great thing about competing at the moment is you have the, the access to videos and stuff like that. So presumably you, you know, you went and watched and, or did you know, as soon as you, what had happened, you literally, you got and you're like, I've, I've messed it up straight away. You knew straight away or in terms of, cause it's not like, you know, you arrive at the gate and that's the mistake. Almost the mistake happens before 
And did, did you realize that when you were when you were skiing? Yeah, so it was uh, it happened also fast. So once you do the mistake, you you you, you slide down and you you get it through your head. What happened? I mean, f- first you're very angry and you shout or you scream whatever, and uh, that's like the first reaction. I mean, everyone reacts differently, but uh, and then afterwards you, you you realize very fast what was this what was the problem. You talk with your coach and maybe they see it a bit differently. And afterwards on the video you can see for sure what happened then yeah yeah must be uh horrible have you ever met a guy that's ended up in the uh orange tape in the net you in mean the net, yeah yeah uh, a few on yeah we, we the, in the giant slalom discipline if you kind of go on the inside ski and you slip away and it's very slippery and you're in the, <laughs> you're in the net you're in the you, you got, but that's quite good sometimes because it's better in the net than go in the woods off, or off something a, off, a, off a cliff yeah yeah, yeah. I've always wondered how they how they cut them out I mean how do they you know you got skis in you got poles you've got like probably an elbow or an first they or take it. off the skis they take it uh, take them take them out of the bindings and the skis and then it's more easy to to get um, them out it. yeah yeah okay. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one of those ones where if you do end up in the orange net and you you don't want help from anybody, do you? You're like, I'd be like, get away, get away yeah, from exactly. me. Yeah, exactly, leave me alone. I just want to come back to those those that down moment that you had b- before because I think you raised a really good point. You know, after a certain time, you realise that there might have been something, an, an issue with your with your boot and you worked it. So whilst that was a, a negative part, it probably, it, it ended up by being a positive part because you learnt so much, so yeah. much more. For sure. I mean, as I told, like being a lot alone, I made a lot of mistakes by my own and I learned from them and now I can um, prevent from them from happening because I know uh, faster what's the problem and I can adapt quickly, more quickly. And that's, that's I think, a, a very good part. It's, it's, uh, it took me maybe a bit longer, but I mean, it's, it's better that it comes now that, than, than too late. With, um, with, your, with your actual training, so at the moment you're in the off-season, so what is that? Is conditioning, strength conditioning stuff? Do you, do you, can you do a lot of technical work for the skiing side of things or is it more just, just staying in shape? Is, is your weight a big issue that you have to keep an eye on as well? Or Yeah, so uh, strength and conditioning is, plays a big part because, you know, uh, as you said, if you, you fall down or something, you have to keep uh, up the big forces that uh, goes into your body and also um, you have to stay in shape because it's a long season and it's, uh, it's quite tiring. So uh, from that part, it's 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 a lot of work. So uh, I, I'm a bit more. Um, I I don't like to ski very much in summer. So I go maybe sometimes into an indoor, where I do some a few days to to keep the contact with the snow and keep the good feelings and maybe also try some new things with the material. But uh, most of the try time I try to do physical training and really get in shape so I can start in September October and uh, full full send with the skiing uh, when does when does the ski season really start when's the the first event of the year that you're looking forward to uh for me it would be around uh november december end of november beginning of december yeah yeah so uh our skiing most of the time we start october november with with the first skiing sessions and then but then it's getting really tough because it's on the glacier and it's on really long and hard sessions so for then you have to be really in good shape Yep. And I've got two other annoying questions for you. With the the kit that you wear, presumably you have a a uniform for Luxembourg. Yeah, your your actual what do you call it? The ski suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ski suit. Yeah. Did you get to 
Do you get a say in designing that? Uh, actually, yes, because it's it's my father that is uh, in charge for the for the um, for the suit and all the jackets we have from the national team. Yeah. So he asks me sometimes, yeah, how does that look? And I say, oh, maybe change this and yeah, this yeah, and yeah. that. Get and some cool colours in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the next question is: Have you ever, like, you because obviously you don't always just ski to race or do you ever go out and do uh you know a bit of leisure skiing and stuff like that does anybody ever you know come up and be like yeah you know do you want to race today? <laughs> um well i i haven't seen anybody maybe they tried to follow me to catch me up but i haven't seen them so <laughs> good answer eat my powder eat my powder i always like asking our guests you know what have they been to stadiums or or, or you know or, or, or venue or venue or, sort of thing where's where's one of your favorite or um let's say races um, I mean, from the nature, I, I, I didn't, the, the mountains I like most, it's the Dolomites in Italy. I, I remember the world champs we had back in 2021. Uh, for me, the, the, the backdrop and everything was so nice and the food and the, and the, the people are, are really nice there. So that's, that's, that's probably one of my favorite and uh, also the snow I like that it's quite similar than in Austria and the other thing I w- is uh, I started the first time to ski in, 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 in the US now in January and what I bu- what I really liked it's 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 a different kind of spirit in the US and over there it's it's I wouldn't say it's more fun and more chill but it's they take it all a bit more easy you know it's not uh, as in Europe where it's very strict and uh, it's like a bit nobody talks to anybody in US everybody's ready to help you and this small talk and so it's it's a a very cool ambient and I I really I really loved it to to ski over there very much related to culture right I mean but that's interesting because if you you flip that on its head so when you I think it's fair to say you say the ski culture is a bit more accommodating over there a bit more friendly but then you turn it on its head with like the NFL and stuff like that like that's almost like the complete opposite isn't it yeah like you know? uber uber serious yeah 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 i mean with Shit. um with your your ski runs it's a bit weird because obviously you're at the top and essentially you've got a few officials and your fellow competitors up there and you you do the run but there aren't a huge amount of people you know watching you but then when you get to the bottom of it that's where you um that's where obviously a lot of the spectators will, will be. Is it, do you like come round the corner and you know you're getting to the end and can you hear the crowd making uh, a bit, you know, a, a lot of noise or is it is something you not really notice? Um, I, I don't think you really notice it because you're in so much adrenaline and so much uh, you're focused. So you can't really hear anything about it. And you know also that the eyes on your skis make so much noise and uh, so it's not very... It's almost like it's not, t- tunnel vision, isn't it? You just yeah, focus on... It's not really disturbing. The only part where it's a bit disturbing is at the start when you hear some crowds or some speakers already saying something. Because I remember, for example, I was at the start in, at the famous uh, night race in Schladming as of a few years ago and, and and you hear the speaker on the start and I heard him say because you, you maybe know Mark Girardelli and this former Luxembourgish uh, ski racer who won uh, multiple times and so uh, and he said like yeah now the next uh, competitors from Luxembourg uh, as we know all Mark Girardelli but this one will probably be not so fast as Mark Girardelli but we wish him all the best and so I was really not focused anymore because that went through my head and it got me and then I 
I had to start and I, know, uh, I know, messed it up. Do you know, do you know who said that? No, that's no. why you have a black belt. Yeah. That's why. Get call him out. Ever, I'm surprised he's still got a job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I certainly have a little black book with names in Nathan. I know you do. And at some point, what goes around comes around. I hope you bump into that fellow and be like, "Do you remember me, mate?" Huh? I, I will. I hope so, so too. What about, okay, so we just talked about adrenaline. We're talking about adrenaline on Sunday night with um, with our Laura Hoffman, with, with our, our karate um, champ. Then we're a talking karate about kid. Karate kid, yeah. So we're talking about different types of ad- ad- adrenalines. And I was explaining or, or saying, or trying to explain or say, the adrenaline to go out to perform in a tennis match or a, or a badminton match is, has to be very diff- different to go and, and do a combat sport. UFC, I put rugby in that same thing, karate in the same thing. But it has to be different again when you're uh when, when you're looking down that uh that hill and you're going down to get down there as fast as again and to be in your to be in your in your peak one little one little yeah like you're gary gone that's the thing i mean all of the sports you name you have in tennis you have maybe a few hours when when you you mess up something you can still come back but in skiing it's you know you're standing on the start and you got maybe 40 50 second or one minute and uh, you can't mess it up really because you have you every mistake counts for a lot so you can't really afford mistake and you still have to go uh, full gas because the other ones are, are, are going also all in so you stand so that's the thing I, I really start to, 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 to get in my head that I have to start uh, uh, stand in the start and give it all because I have no other choice and yeah. whatever it happens whatever happens at least you gave it all and yeah. you, you gave yourself a chance Bang on. because um, if you, you think about a lot of different things then you're, you're, you're asking too much questions and that's I think that's uh, not, the, not the right uh, the right thing to, to, to think of I mean with a lot of sports the, the great thing about it is yes you compete against people but you also as you get a little bit older, you mature a little bit, you, you build up relationships with these, um, with your fellow competitors and stuff. And it's, 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 it's a really important part of sport when you're competing and stuff. But when you're obviously, you're doing your runs and stuff, you'll talk, there's some guys you'll get on with and some guys who you don't get on with for whatever reason, maybe they're assholes. I don't know. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But for whatever reason, but will you um, have discussions with the guys you're competing with and be like, hey, mate, turn seven is sketchy down uh, down there? And he'd be like, oh, yes, mate, that is, uh, that is you better not add your breakfast before you get down that one. Do, do you have those conversations, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, especially when it's, it's, it's you, you have a special cause when it's really turny or something, you laugh about it together and... Uh, Maybe if it's some, someone you don't like, you maybe exaggerate a bit. You say, oh, you saw that turn on. <laughs> maybe if you try out some t- tricks like that, I, I haven't. So I'm quite fair with this. But yeah, you, you joke a lot about this. It's place. quite funny because you could be, you could have that very dry sense of humor, you know, where you might say, yeah, that's just watch out for number 11 there. It's pretty full on. And all of a sudden someone thinks, hmm, is it? <laughs> you sort of got that, you know, got that thought process. So, what, so again, that's dealing, that's diving into the psychology of the exactly. whole thing. Exactly. Let's you know? go. Let's go into the real, the good stuff of psychology. Superstitions, rituals leading into a race day. You don't have to give too much away. Yeah. Same color underwear. No. No. Different color. You're not. You're soft. Different color and different. Do you wear the? Uh, do you wear like the jock strap? You know, with a cup and stuff. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know what protective gear you're, you're obliged to wear a helmet, obviously. Yeah, and back protector. Back uh, protector as well. Back protector. Always. When you say back protector, is that more to keep your. No, it's to protect the spine. Yeah, but when like, you wear... like, like, a, like a motorcyclist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, okay. Quite the same. Yeah, it's just a, mid, a bit more flexible and a bit softer. I was going to say that you know you're making your shoulders nice and strong and that. But well, actually, you have to wear armor. <laughs> obviously, wear shin pads, don't you? As shin well? guards, yeah, yeah, that go up from the boot to to the knee for for slalom and yeah. for giant slalom. You got the the um, forearm. Uh, have, you, have you had a stinger? Have you had one that gave a? Have you had a stinger? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you always have to hit them because you have to take the the, the, the Close, tightest line. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah, so that's uh, you often hit them. Yeah, in slalom you hit every gate. So, and, Just, and, but you've ever had one where you go, oh Jesus, sweet mother of Jesus? I yeah, <laughs> I I once also forgot them and I was standing at the start and it was too late and I remember I was like, okay, fuck it, I will go anywhere. I won't I won't feel it. But after the third or fourth gate, I I felt it. So that race was a mess. <laughs> It's funny because I think that's uh, one of the things you can sometimes take for granted is your equipment for an event. A guy I used to play with, probably one of the best players I ever played with. Um, he played for Luxembourg, Jean-Baptiste Ver. Outstanding back rower. Quality, quality player. We played Denmark. This is going to be three, maybe four years ago. Rocked up and then in the changing room before the match, he's like, because we have a jersey presentation before the, before the game and then you pack your bag, you go to the stadium and then you're into it. And he's like, I haven't got my shirt. <laughs> it's like I've, I've left my shirt at home. I've left my shirt in the changing room. Uh, in the in the not his number the, one shirt, his playing shirt. Yeah, yeah, his playing shirt. Because maybe wearing number seven, I think, or six. And then luckily, that's why you know for all the flack that the managers or the kit men get, they're like, come, come to daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll sort you out. But there's a guy who used to play for Ireland, um, uh, Kevin Mags. Do you remember that name? Number twelve. We used to play with O'Driscoll for years for Ireland and his first cap, I think it was in 97 or something, they were playing South Africa. He forgot his shirt as well. Imagine that, your first cap, and you're like, I, I haven't, haven't got my shirt. I would already have your kit Some, Sometimes. So it's... It, normally what will happen now these days, I believe, is you would still have a jersey presentation. You'd be presented with your jersey... Um, and some of the guys like to keep hold of them or you can give it to the kit man and then you go into the dressing room and it'll be hung up and I mean the pros will have you know a couple of shirts and a warm up shirt to wear if they want to change at half time and that sort of thing as well but yeah there's all sorts of funny ones forgetting your kid. I mean this is bad it was probably not yeah. sure which is worse getting those stingers going, going yeah. uh, there are some some situations also I remember with some guys of me that, that forgot then the helmet or goggles or shin guards or back protector and uh, it's tough to find uh, to find a to find a replacement I, I once forgot my back protector at the race and I, I you have to start with a back protector if you don't have one you can't start so I, I, I remember the girls went first and so I, I asked the girl for a back protector but it <laughs> right. was a lot too small <laughs> it was not even going over my whole spine. It was so, so disturbing that the, the race was also a mess. Imagine so. like that. It's like a TV show where you like go in and knock on the door of the girls' change room. Can I borrow a back protector? <laughs> anybody, anybody, talk me out here. It's quite funny. I'm trying, you, trying to imagine put, putting this thing on. It's like the, yeah. the fat guy in the little coat. You, quite, I mean, you wouldn't, it? you wouldn't have that either. I mean, it's, it, um, just to think about. I think as you get older, you'd happily lend someone kit you know if you saw they're in a pick especially if it's one of the young lads you'll, you'll help them out but there was that one tennis has jumped into my head obviously Wimbledon's on at the moment but there was tennis one years ago where one of the lads 
I can't remember. He, I think he lost the plot and kept smashing his rackets. And he, he, so normally they'll take about five rackets out. Yeah, but he ran out of rackets. And then he had to actually finish the match. The guy he was playing against was like, yeah, there you go, boss. <laughs> we use that one. I'd say the sponsors were livid over something. Yeah, good, good friend of mine, Joe Knight, was playing the World Open semi-finals in, in Antwerp 2001. Um, That's a bit. You weren't even born then, were you? 2001? 2001, or maybe 2002, Antwerp. I can't remember. I know the final. Jonathan Power played John White. John White was here a week beforehand. Anyway, so was was Joey Knight. He ran out of of racket, so he had to use his opponent's one of of his bag of his opponent. Did he still beat him? No, he lost, but in a ding-donger, though. Went all all the way to the five setter. But um, obviously the sponsors weren't happy when he was using another another brand. But yep, it, it all happens. Well, Matthew, right. a couple, couple of quick choir questions just to sort of round things off, mate. We could go for another yeah. hour here because I love. Uh, again, we're just so ignorant <clears throat> to the you know the world of, of skiing and stuff. So that's why I said you just got two eager yeah. beavers here who love asking exactly. the questions and I stuff. Go, you know? I want to go first, Scott. I talked about your underwear, right? I'm going to stay on your underwear. You're at the top of the um, run, I guess you call it run. You're at the top of the run, and you got a you got a choice on Christmas Day. To wear your to wear your team kit, would you go with boardies like only, board, like the surfing? No the shirt, board, no shirt. You got you're shorts. obviously you've got your boots and your skis on. Yeah, yeah. boardies only or budgies only, like the speedos. The what, budgie what would you wear? I think the speedos. Just 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 on that. Are there any when you obviously get onto the tour? Um, you, you obviously get to know a lot of the guys and I'd imagine there's you might go for coffees or there is there any initiations or anything like that when you make it onto the tour or you're not allowed to talk about it um, I haven't had any yet so maybe that's coming but um, it's funny you speak of that because I remember a friend of mine he was uh, he did his last race at the, it was a season ender and he did his last race and in the second run he went with underwear and in the first run I, I beat him with, with normal race suit and in the second run I, I did a mistake and he beat me in the rest. And let's let's just build, build this on. So obviously, he's, he's yeah, so right, obviously you're, good. you're at the top and you've got your budgie smugglers on. You're about to go. You, you've not got any protection on because you're hard as nails. Would you go <laughs> if you had to pick uh, the mullet? So obviously short on top, long, yeah. long and party at the back, or the mustache? Which would you pick to go with the budgie smugglers? Can I go with both? Oh, it gets better. Rogue. He's clearly Rogue. in our team. He's Rogue. clearly in our team. Mate, I think that's so good. If you have mu- mullet, you have to have the moustache. L- ladies and gentlemen, and then you the, are next, the next question is: one fine specimen of an athlete. The next question is: We normally ask you uh, what music you would, you know, like in the UFC in the boxing, what music would you walk out to if you were announced to? But we're going to change it slightly. As you're going down the hill in your budgie smugglers and your mullet and your moustache, what music would be playing? I think would have to be like a rock and roll song something out of the the 70s or 80s i think that would fit perfect like yeah. like motorhead ace of spades or something like some that. Lynyrd skinner or something <laughs> like that <laughs> absolute quality all right we might have to call it quits on there we've got a couple of um domestic things happening to right tonight as we speak yeah we'll rattle through these really quickly they do launch tonight they're taking on st pat's athletic from dublin they will play they will travel to dublin next week hopefully that goes well philip boich former guest of the show is obviously playing uh do Lange appear to have recruited quite well uh especially given they lost their coach um over the summer so we will um we'll keep you up to speed with that and you've also got swift hesperange they are playing slovan bratislava um to 
tonight as well and then their return fixture will actually be played at the Stad um, de Luxembourg. I believe that's a requirement for the Champions League and the qualifiers is you have to have a certain you know, the, the stand or the venue has to meet that sort of criteria so a chance if you've not been down to the Stad de Luxe, definitely a chance next Wednesday to get down and and cheer the burgers bit on. A, bit, bit of a challenge for tonight for uh, Do Launch because, of course, they've had a, quite a few changes since May. Certainly, not making any excuses, but um, some some Pats athletes they're in the middle of their season, so very you know oh, very 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 different uh, very very different circumstances. Um, a big congratulations to the Luxembourg table tennis pair um, who lost in the final of the WTT Star in Ljubljana. Um, yeah, it was obviously Ni Zinglian and Sarah Dunot, who are respectively 46th and 117th in the world. But they, um, yeah, continue their well to maintain their rankings because they're in the top. They're in the top 10 in the world, aren't they? In uh, in, in, in doubles, doubles, yeah, in doubles yeah, table tennis. So yeah, fa- fabulous result, and they keep uh, keep sticking at it at the top of the table. Not only that, we're going to stay. Congratulations to the uh, women's under 18 basketball team who've just finished second in the in the Division B of the European uh, com- um, competition. They lost to Croatia uh, 93 points to 66, but that means that they can now look forward to a promotion in Division A. So that's massive for, for Luxembourg absolutely, basketball and absolutely. The, the women's under-18 under team. Yeah, congratulations to them. And not only that, two of the players, they were chosen for the All-Star, All-Star 5, and Ihi um, Uti from Dulon, she was chosen as the player of the tournament as well. So, yeah, massive... Massive ups to the... Turning some heads over there, good to see. Um, we obviously had the uh, National Swimming Championships, was held at the Cock on uh, on swimming. Julian Hanks was obviously uh, down there with his, his fancy haircut, you know. Nearly as fancy as yours, Matthew, actually. <laughs> um, so in addition to the fight for the medals, there are also two major organisational changes this year. One of them concerns the qualification for swimmers for the Olympic Games in Paris next year. This year, the Open Luxembourg Nationals become a national championships in which no foreign swimmers can participate. Um, that's, I guess that's a, you know, that makes sense, doesn't it? But anybody's going to try and use any opportunity to, to ultimately get that time which will allow them to go yeah, to I think it's good that you have actually, I think it's great that you have actually a closed event and, and, and you can make it an Olympic qualifying is, is fabulous. I mean, as I said, Julian obviously went fastest in the the... The 50 crawl, um, and he got himself again um, ahead of Remy Fabiani, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago. So good to see those two uh, going head to head there. They're obviously out in Japan on another camp. And uh, in the ladies, uh, one swimmer was able to celebrate the double. Jackie Banky prevailed in both the 50 meter crawl and the 50 meter backstroke. 26 year old swimmer said she was very satisfied, even if her preparation was not ideal. You got a bit about hockey, Nathan. Yeah, that's right. Another congratulations to the um, the, the men's under 18 hockey team who are playing in Swansea. They secured Swansea, but yeah, exactly. You know that accent. They um, secured a resounding 8 0 victory against um, Slovakia. So, yeah, f- fabulous, uh, fabulous match for, for, for these guys. They dominated from, um, from, from start to finish. Obviously, um, but a big heads up to the standout captain uh, Maximilian uh, Clarenval, who was uh, obviously man of the man of the match. But uh, I think tonight they've got a game against, or today they've just had a game against Switzerland. Obviously, I don't so keep them in the loop about result, that. There's a little bit here. Well a guy, uh, Tommy guys. Tommy Van Blurk, who uh, not only contributed a goal but etched his name in Luxembourg under 18 history 
aged just 15 years and 193 days old. He becomes the youngest ever scorer for the national under-18 squad. He's a top boy. I've taught him. He goes to St George's School. I've taught him. He's a good boy. Yep. Has he smacked a hockey ball at you? Nope. I just throw rug- I, I'm trying to convert him. I just throw rugby balls at him at the time and tell him he's playing the wrong sport. No, I don't say that. Of course <laughs> I don't. Um, you wanted to talk about the uh, the sports leave for the congé sportif. <clears throat> well, yeah, that's right. So the, there's a law on the reform of the sports leave. It was passed in the chamber last week. So, it's, yeah, uh, I think... Uh, yesterday a week ago um it's an official um for any international competition we know that um the athletes they can be exempt from from work because they're competing in a national event what's it called it's called a congé sportif yeah yeah, yeah. but now they're widening that so it also applies to volunteers and to um referees and to administrators oh, as well good. so i think that's that's a fabulous positive uh, step yeah positive it's a positive step in the in the, in the in the right direction so that um i believe that law has uh, passed last week which is brilliant um, Matthew just um, obviously we're just wrapping things up here but if there's anything you could pass on to anybody in Luxembourg who's interested in getting into skiing that you don't know about I mean how do you go about this what do you, what do you got to do to really you know if, if this is something you want to do how, how do you go about this I think the first thing to do would would be to leave Luxembourg because yeah, it's not ideal. <laughs> not the, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's the not, thing not, you have to do. Here. Yeah, <laughs> a few hills, no mountains, huh? So uh, you got to find a school somewhere in Austria or Switzerland or France. It's uh, it's what I did with with seventeen. I, uh, I quit Luxembourg. I went for Austria. So uh, I think you 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 have no other possibilities than and than do to do this because you have to stand a lot on skis and here it's simple. It's Simply impossible. Yeah. So what? So what country are we going to first? What, what? What's what's my hope? Shall I go to France, Switzerland, or Austria? I think Austria. Well, I think would I'm, suit. I, yeah. I think yeah Austria well, actually, in, it's interesting you say about Innisbrook because we had uh, Jeff Bauer on, and he was a skeleton, and that's where he said he will be going to compete. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, and he said he would slowly push one of us it'll probably be me because <laughs> Nathan's a coward. <laughs> probably be me, but we could we could do that in the. In the afternoon, we'll come and ski with you in the morning. How does that sound? Yeah, sounds great. <laughs> I'm going to start growing my mullet now. Yeah, for with, uh, the, with the sticks in, with the uh, with the gates in. Yeah. With no... No shin guards. No, no shin guards, this, elbow guards. And the speedo. Really, actually, you, you, could, you could get all the kit and he'd make you put it on backwards and stuff. You'd be like, um, as always, um, Matthew, thank you so much for finally coming on the show. We'll uh, we'll eagerly follow your uh, your progress. Obviously, enjoy the time off, keep in shape, and we look forward to hopefully uh, hearing more more good things about you uh, next season. We'd love to get down and... We're going to be watching you. Go come. down for the old Apre ski. We'll be in for you. that. I'll tell you that for nothing. Um, <laughs> As always, you can check out the rest of the team tomorrow from um, 6 o'clock. You've got Sam Steen. Uh, you've got Steps at 12 o'clock with the lunchbox. And then you've got Melissa from 3 till 6. Don't forget about Dave Burrows and the DB3 sessions. And as always, you've got Sarah Tap with the hangover session. And now, it's funny you alluded to it when you talked about the Conge uh, Sportif, but we always give a huge shout out to the army of volunteers out yep. there who make our sporting world tick. Whether it's from tightening your skis, you know, driving up the snowplow, that must be a hell of a job. Must be some crack like. Driving, driving up a snowplow, oh, when the midnight run with the. With the what say the wireless with the radio or <laughs> yeah, to a little bit of the tunes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the <laughs> lads, you know. They're like nocturnal, those creatures, yeah, aren't they? They, they just go up and prep. Just prep the slope and go to sleep and then do it all again. Whoa. As always, boys, been an absolute pleasure. Until yes. next week, it's cheers. Sure.